You're listening to teaching from Midtown Fellowship, a Jesus-centered family on mission in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in finding out more about us, our family of churches, or how to partner with us, go to MidtownColumbia.com. Hey, good morning. How we doing? All right. Welcome back, everyone. Happy New Year. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Jake. I work here at our downtown church. I help oversee a lot of our teaching ministry. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 10, as well as 1 Corinthians 9. John chapter 10, and then flip on over to the right a little bit, put a finger in 1 Corinthians 9. So with this being the new year, one thing that I really love about the new years is New Year's resolutions. Did anyone else write New Year's resolutions for themselves? Okay, like five people. This illustration is going to go over great. Love it. Uh, Every single year, my New Year's resolution is always I want to read just a little bit more, and so that was mine last year, and it's going to be the same this year. I just want to read just a little bit more. I don't get too hardcore into it, but some people I know really do get hardcore into New Year's resolutions. There's one guy on our staff. I'm not going to name any names, but his name rhymes with Tim Olson. (laughs) He gets really hardcore into that. Like he has goals, and with those goals, he has a strategic plan with spreadsheets. And then at the end of that, he creates a statistical probability of his likelihood to hit that New Year's resolution. So I don't know if you're like me where it's like, yeah, you know, I just want to do this a little bit more. Or if you're a freak like Tim. With New Year's resolutions, I just love it because there's just something remarkable about it, that we all want to grow, that we have this desire, this aspiration to be more, that we have this vision of what life could look like, and we're not there yet, but if we just strive after this vision, then maybe we can improve and be a little better and carry that over into our vision as a church. If you've been around for a while, you know our vision as a church, we want to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. And we acknowledge that personally, we are not where we want to be. We want to grow. We want to grow to become the type of people the Bible talks about. We want to grow to be more financially generous and, and more missional with our neighbors and our friends. We want to experience deeper freedom from sin so that we can experience a deeper vitality in Jesus. And for most of us, what makes it really challenging is we kind of lack the vision to really go after that, to live that out. So in John chapter 10, Jesus actually gives us a vision of what life could look like. And if I were a really cheesy pastor, I would say he gives us like a 2020 vision because, you know, it's the year. But I'm not. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. But you can imagine if I did. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So according to Jesus, there are two paths or two trajectories in life. There is one path, there is one way of living in which the world, the flesh, and the devil destroy you from the inside out. And there's this other path, this other trajectory of living life where you get to experience what Jesus calls life abundantly. This word abundantly is the Greek word parisos. It can mean above and beyond, over and above, more than is necessary, extraordinary. 
as one theologian, Eugene Peterson, when he is paraphrasing John 10.10, he translates it like this. Jesus says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is the type of life Jesus is calling us to, this abundant life. And he's not just referring to a quantity of life. As though when you place your faith in the free grace that Jesus offers you, you will live forever, even after death, you will live forever with Jesus. That's certainly a big part of it, but he's not just referring to a quantity of life, he's also referring to a quality of life that is available to us right here, right now. A life that is with Jesus, where you can be with Jesus day in and day out and just experience and meditate and contemplate on his love for you, his joy, his peace, where you get to have access to that every single day, where you can be with Jesus. And as a result, when you do that regularly, daily, you become a person who looks more like Jesus. That the more you sit and reflect on his love for you and his joy and his peace, the more you become a person who exudes love and joy and peace. A person who is less anxious and more content with life. A person who is less cynical and just over and above, just constantly giving joy and thankfulness in all things. A life that is relaxed and at rest with who you are and where you are in the world and with your season of life. A life that is not always feeling hurried and overwhelmed with, with kids and emails to answer and responsibilities. But even in the midst of that, within your soul, you are calm and you are content. A life that can endure whatever life throws at you. That you can be honest with God and others and just be at peace with it all. This is the type of life Jesus wants for us right here, right now. It's also important to know in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I came so that they may have life. That they may have life. This is something that we do together. It's a team project. It's a group effort that we are going after to become like Jesus and to be with Jesus. So a couple disclaimers. We are not talking about self-actualization, this idea that there's this secret you hidden down deep within at your very core that needs to be released and expressed if you ever want to find true fulfillment and happiness in life. In fact, the Bible, and even Jesus, says just the opposite, that when you lose your life, when you die to yourself and your desires and your preferences, when you pick up Jesus' cross, when you bear his yoke, that's when you experience life. When you lose your life, that is when you will find it. And we're also not talking about your best life now, that if you just pray enough and send enough good Christian vibes out into the world and do all the church things, that your life will go the way you want it as though you will never have any relational issues whatsoever, as though no bad things will ever happen to you, that all of your dreams come true, because nowhere in the Bible do you actually see that. In fact, what you often see from even the closest followers of Jesus, they often suffered and experienced persecution and experienced poverty throughout their lives, but even in the midst of all of that, they had this deep inner life quality of life that said, no matter what I am going through, no matter what my circumstances say, no matter what people do to me, all this stuff can happen to me externally, but I know Jesus 
is king and he is Lord. And in fact, he is using and orchestrating these circumstances to help me be with him and become more like him. And that's what matters most, more than anything else in the world. So followers of Jesus, not only in the Bible, but even over the course of millennia, when they have gotten this, when their life just from an external perspective looks like their life is in absolute chaos and darkness, that they still have this inner soul disposition that is calm and at rest and content with where they are because they recognize Jesus is Lord. And this is the type of life Jesus wants for us. And if we're honest with ourselves, the tendency in the Western American church is to really abbreviate the Christian life, to turn it into just cliff notes, to just say, well, hey, if you really want to become a Christian, you know, just nod your head to these four truths about Christianity, raise your hand. When, when I pray, you just squeeze my hand and you're good to go. You're good to go. That's, that's all there is to it. And all this other stuff, I mean, you know, if you want to, but not necessary, I mean, you're good to go. And what Jesus is trying to show us here in John 10 is that there's so much more available to you. That there's so much more available to you right now in Jesus. So to give us a key insight into how all of this works, how we can access this abundant life Jesus has for us, turn on over to 1 Corinthians 9. The New Testament writer Paul says the way to attain this way of life goes like this, verse 24. Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Before I read on, notice the contrast Paul is saying here. With an athlete, only one, only one gets the prize. And then he juxtaposes it saying, but we. So it's this group effort. It's this team sport. It's what we are all doing together. Verse 26. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul equates living the Christian life, having this one of abundance right here, right now, is in a lot of ways like a prized athlete in how they train. So an athlete, for those of you that don't sports, let me just equip you for a second. An athlete has one sole focus in mind. They want to win. They want to rise above the competition. They see all of the obstacles in their way, and they do everything they can to have this one sole focus, this one aim in mind, and they discipline themselves accordingly. So the, their sleep habits and their eating habits and their time and their money and their thought life and what they talk about and the people they surround themselves with all goes around this one main goal, this one life pursuit. And Paul is saying that's what following Jesus is all about, that as we walk with him, it's this idea of exercising self-control in all things, fixing your eyes on this one main goal, narrowing your focus, planning with the end in mind. If I want this abundant life that Jesus has for me, I must at all costs orient every category of my life around this if I really want to experience the abundant life that Jesus has for me right here, right now. And it happens through, according to verse 27, through discipline. Through discipline, which 
in modern day America is like the unsexiest word you could ever think of. This idea of we access it through discipline. When we hear that word, we think of like, oh man, so I just got to do more and more and more stuff. Is that it? Well, think about the athlete. The athlete just has one thing. They have just one goal in mind. So everything they do in life goes through the filter and the funnel of, does this help me achieve the one main thing? And if it does, then that becomes an opportunity for me to go after that one main goal. But if it's not, then it's a distraction. Then it gets in the way of me going after this one main thing. To give you another illustration for those of you that sports. So in 2004, there was an NBA athlete. He was the number one draft pick at the time by the name of Dwight Howard. So when you are a rookie and you are the number one draft pick, that is like a big deal. That is like everyone has their eyes on you that you are going to be this next great player. And in fact, the first few years, he had a lot of stats in his favor. He was an NBA all-star. He was the defensive player of the year. The dude was 6'11". 250 pounds. One of his crowning achievements was the 2008 slam dunk contest. I hardly watch basketball at all, but I am aware of that thing. My, one of my college roommates had that poster of him doing that slam dunk in our living room when I was in college, so I'm aware of that. But this was a guy that so many people had their eyes on him of all of the promise and potential that he had. And within those first few years, he seemed to be doing great. He seemed to be rising above the competition. But then over the years, what happened, he started to look slower on the court. His stats really started to plummet. He had all this promise and potential, but he really wasn't living up to it. And year after year, he got traded to one team after another because it turned out he was living this secret life. That according to his eating habits, the man for 10 years straight, every single day, would eat 24 candy bars. That's right. Every single day, for 10 years straight, he ate 24 candy bars. So the first few years in the NBA, no one seemed to notice but that does something to you, right? That has a profound effect over time. And he didn't tell people about this, but over time, it started to affect the way he lived his life. It became a distraction from him experiencing that one main goal. And not only did he let himself down, he let his team down. Here was this guy with all this promise and potential, but he allowed distraction to get into his life, and it just creeped in and just took away all of that potential. And the reality is, we are a lot like that. We are a lot like that. And we have so much potential and possibility found in this abundant life through Jesus, and what could be, but instead of candy bars getting in the way, maybe it's the next TV show to binge, or the next push notification on your phone, or maybe the next experience to have with your friends, or the next relationship to run to, or the next promotion, or the next extracurricular activity to sign your kids up for. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves, but without proper self-control, without the right discipline, if your eyes are not focused around this one main thing, then those things become distractions that keep you from experiencing the abundant life that Jesus has for you. And whether you realize it or not, those distractions, all your choices, day in and day out, are shaping you 
into becoming someone who experiences the abundant life in Jesus or it doesn't. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He says, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all of your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning the central thing either into a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature. Either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. Each of us at each moment is progressing to the one state or the other. C.S. Lewis says there's no such thing as being static. There's no such thing as being neutral. Decision by decision, moment by moment, action after action, we are choosing the trajectory we want in life. And here's the thing, Jesus and Paul and C.S. Lewis and countless other thinkers and philosophers and psychologists and neuroscientists, both Christian and not, they all agree to this one fact, that there is no such thing as being undisciplined. There is no such thing as being undisciplined. Everyone is disciplined about something. You have an aim in life, and you practice discipline and self-control to go after that one main thing in life, whether you realize it or not. And you can generally see what you're disciplined about based off of what you talk about the most, what you think about the most. Where does your mind drift off to? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? What are the things you have conversations about the most? Those generally reveal your main aim in life, and you will discipline yourself accordingly. For most of us, our main aim is to be as entertained and as comfortable as possible. That's our main aim. That's our main goal. So we will discipline ourselves and practice self-control in order to achieve that main thing in life. So when you hang out in life group and people start talking about the Bible or talking about their lives, you're just really quiet and silent, and you just look around, and you have nothing to say, but man, the moment someone brings up Clemson football, you can just talk for hours and hours and hours on end. That reveals something about yourself, right? For many of us, we all, I think a lot of us would say we want to read our Bibles just a little bit more, but man, we just, we just can't seem to find the time at all. It's like, man, I look at my schedule, I have no time whatsoever to read the Bible. But man, the moment you get that email from work, or you find out the latest episode of your show is on, or someone reached out to you to hang out, it's like, wow, magically, I have all this time now to do those things. That reveals something about what you value, what your main aim in life is all about. It reveals what you are truly disciplined about. We all have this main thing in life that we discipline ourselves around, but is that main thing one of abundance that Jesus has mapped out for you? Or is it one that culture and your feelings and your circumstances and your TV watch list has laid out for you? Is that helping you experience the abundant life in Jesus, or is it not? Because moment by moment, we are choosing what we really value and what we are really going after. And it's in those moments that we are forming ourselves into something, whether we realize it or not. Theologian Robert Mulholland says this. He says, spiritual formation, in other words, the process of becoming someone, spiritual formation is not an option. 
The inescapable conclusion is that life itself is a process of spiritual development. The only choice we have is whether that growth moves us towards wholeness in Christ or toward an increasingly dehumanized and destructive mode of being. Now to choose this fullness, this wholeness of life found in Jesus, it begins with assessing where you are. Assessing where you are and then narrowing down and cutting out the distractions. It's a recognition. It's a recognition that your time and your attention and your adoration go towards a million different things every single day. And disciplining your life to look more and more like Jesus means cutting out those million little things that suck away at your soul each day so that you can prioritize around one main thing, to be with Jesus and to become more like him. It's a recognition that your money goes towards a bunch of things that you care most about, most of which have no direct correlation towards warming your affections and be in Jesus. And disciplining your life to be more like Jesus could very well mean cutting out the things you spend your money on so you can prioritize around one main thing, to be with Jesus, to become like him, to give towards the mission of God, to care and to provide for others in the same way that God has cared and provided for you. It's an acknowledgement that watching the next episode or looking at your phone for hours on end each day or checking your phone the first thing when you wake up and the last thing before you go to bed, those things do something to you slowly over time whether you realize it or not. And you may not notice it in that first week or first month, but man, over time, over months upon months, years upon years, decades after decades, that shapes you into becoming someone who either loves Jesus and the abundant life or it doesn't. But once you begin to practice discipline and self-control to be with Jesus and to become like him, you allow the Spirit of God to slowly reshape you to become a person who loves and experiences the abundant life. And this is our goal for you all as a church. This is our goal. This is our discipleship plan for you, that you would be with Jesus and become more like him. Like if we had to put all our chips on the table, it would be all, we are all in on this thing, that you would get this more than anything else, that you would get this to be with Jesus, to become more like Jesus. That's what we want for you more than anything else as a church. And so we can stand up here and we can give really inspirational, motivational talks with all of these insights. And I can tell you what this Greek word means and what this Hebrew word means and what this guy from way back when once said about this passage. And your notebook could just be filled with insight after insight. But if you actually don't put that into practice, then what's the point? We can create all these materials and resources for you. But if you don't step into them, then what are we doing? We can give you the tools you need to grow, to be with Jesus, but you need to put in the sweat to go after it. As John Ludovino once said a while back, it's like, you are Batman, we are Alfred, right? Staff and pastors, our job is to serve you, to equip you, to give you all the tools and gadgets you need, but ultimately it's you. You're Batman. You're the one who has to go out afterwards and put this into practice day in and day out to live for the mission of God. That's on you. So all that to say, uh, we created something for you guys. We created a, a toolbox. Uh, this is like your bat cave. We created a website for you. It's called followingjesustogether.com. Now when you go to that website, 
we have collected over the years just loads and loads and loads of resources for how we experience this, how to be with Jesus and to become more like him. So if you're like, I don't even know where to start. This all sounds great. Just go to the website. We have it all mapped out for you, and we tell you what resources to go to and how to walk through it. We just want to make it really easy for you. And it's together. So this is a team project because we help one another grow. And just like creating any new habit, the more people are on board with a vision and we can make it really practical, the more success you are going to see, right? That's why people are fanatics about P90X, right? They're all, they're all about it. They're all going after this thing, encouraging each other, celebrating the wins, but man, how much more so following Jesus together, This is what we are going after. So all of these resources are designed for you to walk through on your own or with someone else in your life group or with your entire life group. And I'm a little biased here, but like we said, it's together. So being in a life group, that is the training ground for how we become more like Jesus. That's how we do this. We do this together. Discipleship, growing to look more like Jesus, doesn't happen apart from community. So some of you here, your first step, you just need to sign up for a life group. We did a survey a couple months ago. We have hundreds of people that show up on Sunday who are not yet a part of a life group. That is your first step. If you want to experience the abundant life Jesus has for you, sign up, be a part of a life group. And hey, maybe you're in a life group, you don't like your life group. Maybe the step is just stick with your life group, right? Practically, this could look like you want to learn how to read your Bible more, but you don't know where to start. Go to the website, click the button that says abide. We have several Bible reading plans for you to walk through. Just pick one of them and then have someone in your life group keep you accountable or maybe someone in your life group walk through that with you and maybe start a group me and just say that what, whatever you've learned that day in reading the scripture, just to hold you accountable. You just send out a text. Here's one thing I learned from what I read today. Maybe that's what it looks like for you. This could look like going to the website, looking at all of the practices we want you to grow in, and then just picking one that you are the weakest at, and then unpacking, going through the resources there. So for me personally, I am weak when it comes to confession and repentance. And so I'm working through the resources, and the last time our life group met, I said, I want you guys to be asking me these two questions regularly to hold me accountable. So that's what that looks like for me. So in life groups this week, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to go to the website. We're going to say, what's one practice we really want to grow in? And then some of you in your life group are going to team up on that practice and do it together and stick with it and see how Jesus is going to use that so that you can be with him and become more like him. Three resources I'm really excited about. We actually put together daily devotionals for fighting against anxiety and apathy and feeling overwhelmed, we, de- we created a three-week-long daily devotional for each of those three things. So when you go to the website and you click one, it's like we have a reading plan, we have a passage for you to read through, and one practice for you to do each day when it comes to one of those three things. It's just really simple. We want to make it really, really practical for you. So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, go to this website and pick one of these things. There's so many things. I feel really overwhelmed. Then we've got something for you. Go to get the fighting against feeling overwhelmed. There you go. If you're like, oh, man, so many options. I'm so anxious. What do I do? We got you covered. Go to the resource fighting against anxiety. We got you covered. 
If you're like, man, I feel so apathetic, like I really don't care though, then I'm sorry, we've got nothing for you, good luck. Not really, we have something called fighting apathy. You can click that and follow along. Each of those three tracks takes about five minutes a day to work through, but stick with it. And sticking with it, you can develop the discipline and the habits to where at the end of those three weeks, you can carry some self-control and some discipline to practice the way of Jesus, and it can make a profound impact on your life if you stick with it. And if you don't, uh, just a quick disclaimer, like you don't have to do any of this. You have a choice in all of this, but I would say if you do not take advantage of the abundant life that Jesus offers you, Maybe just be honest with yourself and say, maybe you're not actually a Christian yet. And maybe you've grown up in church and you've done all the Christian things and you have all the head knowledge, but when it comes to actually following Jesus day in and day out, you just could care less. And maybe the first step for you is to actually place your trust in Jesus, to turn away from your sin, to accept the free grace that Jesus offers you, to turn away from your vision of what you think the abundant life is Found and to turn to Jesus' vision of where the abundant life is, following him, following his kingdom, to turn from your vision and to turn to Jesus's. So we just want you to go to the site this week, pick one thing, that's it. What's one thing you can do this week to grow in your love and affection for Jesus? Start slow, take your time, create a small goal for yourself so that you can achieve it, and then once you do, create another small goal achieve that, and then over time, you start creating momentum for yourself. You start to develop those habits, and then go to another practice on the website, create another small goal, achieve that, and you create more and more and more momentum. And once you do, you start to see transformation in your life. You begin to become more like Jesus. Being with Jesus becomes a thing that you get excited about day in and day out. Now, a word of warning, if you're anything like me, whenever you get really excited about something, you just want to go all out. It's like, I want to do all the things. Give me all the things that I can possibly do. But when it comes to this, that is not a good idea. Like, if you ever tried training for a marathon and you've never run before in your life, day one is not try to run 26 miles. You will fall over and die, right? And when it comes to following Jesus together, it's the same thing. Start slow build momentum, and then over time you start to see transformation in your life if you are consistent with it and you stick with it because this is our goal for you. This is Jesus's goal for you, to, for you to experience the abundant life, being with him daily, becoming more like him, becoming a person of love and joy and peace. So for some of you this morning, I'll give you one small goal that I think you can crush. Just go to the website. That's it. Lots of you are already on your phones just scanning websites. You could just put this on there, go to that, and you're good. You've, you've done it. But this is our goal for you, to be more like Jesus. And man, uh, can you just imagine if like we all really went after this? Just the impact that we could just really see the Spirit move in our church family. Whereas just so many people in community together, in life groups together, being with Jesus, becoming more like him, what an impact that can make on our city to see the spirit move in such a radical way. This is what Jesus wants for you, for you to step into that starting now. What I'd love to do for us, I'd love to pray, and then the band will come up and we will respond with worship and communion. So if you will pray with me. 
Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sin and conquering death, that you invite us into this relationship with you freely by your grace. And Jesus, when we place our faith in you, we are adopted into your family, and you call us now. We now have the ability through your spirit to live the abundant life that you have called us to. So God, I pray that your spirit would work, that your spirit would do a work in us, in our life groups this week, that we would see that we are chasing after too many other things. And God, by your wisdom, will you shape us to become a people who are after one main thing and orient our lives around it at all costs so that we can be with you, so that we can become like you. God, I pray that your vision for us, for our lives now, become a reality. That we stop making excuses and putting things off, but we put this into practice because our joy is on the line. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. We pray this in your name. Amen.